when I started this podcast last May, I didn't really know how long it all be shuttered in place. Perhaps a few more months, maybe through August, maybe through September, October, we didn't really know. I mean, for all of us, it's been a strange time. But for musicians, man, I can't even comprehend it. A lot of the first artists I talked to last year for this show were in a state of suspended animation. Their 2020 tour plans were either cut short, postponed, or canceled entirely. No one really knew how long they'd be off the road. The only certainty was that their economic lifeline, touring, was suddenly gone, and those boxes of albums and merchandise were collecting dust. Now here we are, about a year into this damn thing. Musicians are adjusting, but it's still a tough slog. There is a bright spot ahead, but it just seems to be a bit further away every time we inch a little closer to it. And for my next guest, Knoxville, Tennessee-based singer-songwriter Mick Harrison, the pandemic has hit close to home. A few members of his band, The High Score, came down with the virus. Now, they have survived, but the lack of touring and clarity and, you know, everything else that's coming along with this damn thing is just wearing thin. Despite these uncertain times, though, Mick and his band in November 2020 released a new album called Bright Spot. While these songs predated the pandemic, including one by more than 20 years, the final work on the album was impacted by the times. As you'll hear, Mick hasn't seen many of his bandmates in person in months, even as the album was in the last stages of mixing and production. Now, before we get to Bright Spot, here's some background about Mick Harrison. Astute listeners of this podcast are familiar with Scott Miller, my first guest and current record holder for four songs' appearances. Well, Scott and Mick formed the nucleus of the influential mid-90s alternative country band, The V-Roys. Based out of Knoxville, The V-Roys were so good that they grabbed the ear of Steve Earle. That's right, the legendary Steve Earle, who signed them to a record contract. And as you'll hear, Steve Earle was a sage teacher, but also a grading presence. In fact, one of the songs we discussed from Bright Spot references back to these formative years. After the V-Roys ended in late 1999, Mick joined another ahead-of-its-time act super drag before settling in with the Knoxville-based high score in the late 2000s. Other members of the high score include guitarist Robbie Trosper and guitarist Kevin Abernathy, bassist Vance Hilliard, and drummer Don Coffey Jr. Mick and the band have recorded at least eight albums and a whole bunch of singles. As this interview makes clear, Mick was born to be a songwriter and play in bands. It's all he knows. It's all he wants to know. On this episode of Four Songs, Mick and I discuss four songs from Bright Spot, Let the Motor Run, Used to Be Somebody, Concrete and Stone, and Long Way to Go. Mick will tell you there's no rhyme or reason for how the songs come, but thankfully he's kept at it. He's even got some new material, but he's hoping to do a big push this winter for Bright Spot, an album full of hard rockers, cowpunk, and so much more. So my name is Rob Thormeyer, and it's my pleasure to welcome Mick Harrison to Four Songs. All right. Well, Mick, thank you so much for joining me tonight on Four Songs and talking to me about your music. I greatly appreciate you being here. Man, thank you for having me. Like, uh, like I've been telling a lot of people, it's like, especially right now, this time of not being able to play or go anywhere, basically. I love this. This is great. This is our touring right now. So thanks, Rob. Oh, I appreciate it. And that's, you know, the first question I've been asking everyone. I started this back in May when it wasn't clear how long we'd be at cooped up in our homes. And what's this been like for you? Well, as far as musically, I mean, like everybody else, I, it's been weird. I kind of, me and the guys, me and my guys were best friends, my band. We, uh, we did put a record out in November of 2020, which is amazing. But we were almost done with it anyway. 
But November 6th, when we put that record out, I haven't seen some of those guys since. So it's mm. been weird. Wow. I, I mean, not that. that they left the country or anything. We're all good. It's just, you know, it's been pretty bad in Tennessee. So we've been trying to stay away from each other. Yeah, because I hadn't thought, really thought of that because, you know, so many bands, like, you know, either they live near each other or, you know, they either live with each other. and hadn't thought about what it's like to have an album recorded and then not even really be able to, to see each other. Yeah, we did a lot of the, end, you know, the mixing and a few of the vocals and stuff when we weren't all there. And, you know, that went pretty, pretty good. I wouldn't advise that's a good way to mix a record, but it worked. But, you know, f two out of the five guys in my band has had COVID. We are still trying to stay safe. Yeah. So as you were putting the, the finishing touches on this and knowing what was going on and the inability to tour, were you just kind of like, well, this sucks? Or was it just, <laughs> let's, what are we going to do? You know, we got to put it out and then move forward. Well, it was kind of the, the latter. It's like, you know, we're pretty close to this. I, we don't really tour as much as we used to anyway. And I, I think the album had a really good name, Bright Spot. And I was hoping it would land. It would it landed, you know, three days after the election. I was hoping, I was rolling the dice. I was hoping Bright Spot would be a good thing to come out, you know. And it was. It, it actually worked out really good. And, you know, that's what I'm saying. I definitely didn't want to set on it till uh, 2021. I and mean, we got to move on. We got more songs to write, more songs to play. Yeah, we'll ask, we'll get to that toward the end about what you've been working on now. But again, going back to the beginning of this podcast is about songs and songwriting so just always curious with people who've been doing this for a long time when did you first get hit by the, the songwriting buzz Ooh, i would say i was probably around 13 or 14 because my dad was a really good guitar player and he would he taught me just enough on guitar and i thought he was like being a really good dad and like i want you to learn something son go out and be artistic but no, he really just wanted me to be his rhythm guitar player so he could play Chuck Berry songs. But at some point there, when I learned at least three to four chords, I was like, you know what? Can't sing very good. I don't like most of these songs I'm hearing. I'll just start trying to write. So I would say, like, you know, I probably wrote my first song, I don't know, 15 or 16 years old. Well, and so you got a chance to work with Steve Earle, too. So what did he impart to you? Just as a songwriter, what lessons did, you, did he provide to you that you still utilize today man there's so many lessons from him and you know for a while i was not his big okay let me take that back early before i met him i was one of his biggest fans then i met him then i wasn't one of his biggest fans but the more i look back on it it's like man he really did us all a service matter of fact every time i write a song i, I think about some of the lessons he taught us you know well one was like you know write something every day at the time, I thought, well, that meant, you know, sit down with pen and paper and write something every day. But I at least think about songs every day, you know, or, you know, driving down the road, you see something going on. Ah, oh, that'd be, that'd be, that's a good story. Or here's some old dude at the hardware store say something really crazy. And it's like, oh, that's a great song title. <laughs> so I'm always kind of keeping a, keeping a book open and, you know, and, and a few little, you know, doing the one, two, three, four line thing. That'd be like, you know, all right, say so you start off with a chorus and you have an idea for the second verse. So you do the second verse, but you go ahead and numb them one, two, three, four. And you just, I mean, it's kind of a, just a way to keep things in order. I use that all the time. Like, and I'll move those numbers around, but he was really a good teacher. Yeah, we'll get into some of that in some of the songs. That was one thing I was curious about. And there's one line in particular I'll ask you about when we get to it in one of the songs we were talking about. But 
what, who else besides Steve Earl? I mean, you obviously were you're playing with your dad and Chuck Berry songs. Were there other major influences that you continue to listen to and try to, to emulate? Well, not really. I mean, I, I, I did learn a lot with C. Roy. And I, I, honestly, I learned a lot with Scott. Because I was like, when I came up here, I think it was raw. I think I kind of had a little bit of an idea of what to do. But working with Scott, I'd never worked with anybody before. And I think working with some people kind of helped me learn what to watch out for, I guess, basically. So now it's like, I don't really have people that are like, oh my God, he's the best songwriter in the world. I look at more of like lines. I mean, like I'm a big fan of like Paul Kelly right now, an Australian guy. Okay. Um, and I couldn't tell you one of his records, but I can tell you a bunch of his songs. Hmm. And he has so many great lines and I'm not stealing them. I'm just, he's a really good influence. I just heard a Tommy Womack record that hadn't been released yet. Some of Tommy's lines are amazing. You know, it's so, I can't really go like, ah, man, and I love, you know, Hank Williams Jr. But Jr., did I say Jr.? I, didn't, <laughs> I, meant, I meant Senior. Eh, there's a couple of Hank Jr. songs don't pay. I mean, I, artists are artists. It's just what I'm looking for is lines, mm. lines and stories. Does it get easier the longer you do it? Maybe not easier, but I definitely, I learn more every day. And I, and once I quit learning, then, well, I probably ought to quit. Because really, that's, to me, it's like, not a job, but it's something I got to do. I mean, maybe, uh, maybe this is pretentious, but some people have to paint. You know, like, I want to paint a landscape, but I have to do it. This is what makes me feel good. I have to sit down and make words go with, you know, musical melodies. Yeah, I like that analogy because I've had friends who would talk about, you know, the great ones, not not just songwriters, but, you know, even athletes like Michael Jordan and people who just say, you know what, if he did, if he was a journalist, he would be the best journalist because that's just how he is. So <laughs> there is, I think, a drive in certain people and I, I, you, know, you have it, obviously. So, so let's talk about Bright Spot. We'll be talking about four songs from the album, Let the Motor Run, Used to Be Somebody, Concrete and Stone and Long Way to Go. So first of all, this came out in early November and you were talking about, you probably wrote most of these songs though before that. And, you know, as a fan, you know, you think the album comes out and you think, oh, it just came out here. So that song are brand new. Then they just must've just finished it up, but that's not how it works. So how, how long has you been working on this? And, you know, how did it all, you know, you mentioned that pandemic earlier affected how you, you finished it, but just, if you don't mind going back to, you know, the songs coming out and, you also talk about this being do it yourself. So if you can just talk about that as well. No, you're right. I mean, those songs, they didn't just like, you know, boom, right, here it is. It's on the record. I would say beginning of this record, eh, not recording wise, but at least some of the writing stuff was two years before we actually put it out. I'd say one of the oldest songs on there is probably, well, actually, yeah, there's some, there's one that's really old. But the rest of them are within those two that two-year span before we started recording. And we did do it ourselves. We had, I'd say about three records ago, we thought it might be wise to go ahead and, uh, you know, buy some recording gear just in case uh, something like this happened. I mean, pandemic wasn't on the table. But right. just like something like this happened, we'd have our own stuff and we could do it quality but still on the cheap. So uh, I'm really glad we did that. It's funny because – this came out in November, but to me, that feels like yesterday because the time is just. You know what's funny? It feels like yesterday, 
But then on the other hand, it also feels like two years ago to me. Right. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So this has got to be also kind of weird with that mentality thinking, okay, this album came out and now time is just this weird amorphous thing, which just keeps, I don't know. I mean, how do you, the time just being, I'm I'm getting a little too philosophical. No, No, you're not. No, you're not. Because that is so weird. I would say since last April, I think I wrote a song last April. I haven't written anything from April up until last week. And I only t- the reason being is like my headspace. There's so, so much crap going on that every time I think, oh, okay, I want to write just a simple song to make somebody feel good or bad. So many crazy things would just enter that space and, and knock the songwriting part out. So, and even some of the song titles I was looking at earlier, is like that I came up with during the pandemic. It's like, if I'd have wrote them right now, they wouldn't be relevant. It's, it, it, we just went through a weird time, obviously for everybody, but for songwriting, yeah, it was pretty weird. It's pretty weird. I think I'm coming out of it now and I hope everybody else is too, but even the things I tried during the pandemic, man, they would have sucked. I'd have never put them out. It, it was bad. <laughs> well, so let's start with the first song, Let the Motor Run. I mean, this is a fantastic opener. I mean, it just starts out, grabs you, shakes you up, and gets you ready for the rest of the album. And before we I, we get into the song itself, is when you write a song like this, do you just automatically think this is the opener? No, not at all. Okay. <laughs> I was working on the sequence of this record until like the day before we mastered it. Yeah, because I always hear, you know, some, some people plot out these albums and they think, okay, this is the opener because it just has that, I don't know, entree feel or something. Because to me, this song really does have that. This is the album and this is going to, this is the way to kickstart it. So I was, I was just wondering, like, do people go do that consciously or is it just sort of like, no, this makes sense? And No, you're right, though. I mean, trying to find a song that kind of like, you know, I wouldn't say, it gives you a little overall feel of the record, not just like, I don't want to start with a punk song or just a sad crying acoustic song. Uh, it's mm-hmm. something that gives you an overall feel. So good. I think I did okay on that then. Don't hesitate You've done all that You could cope with It's not too late For you to take off Here you go now Let the motor run Everything's just begun Let the And so lyrically, I mean, this seems to be covering a, it could be about a number of situations, either like a, a kid leaving home or older family kind of moving on with their lives. So out of all the songs, this is the easiest one because I wrote this for my mom starting back. Well, now the years, I don't even know the years, but my grandmother died. Well, and she it was not an easy one either hospice and all that, mm-hmm. but my mom was the caretaker. She was the caretaker for that. And then like, back to back my aunt and my dad after that and she just was a trooper just like taking care of you know god i I wouldn't want to do what she had to do i wrote this song for her and once my dad died and she you know she was sad but it was also a relief you know like i've been working my ass off taking care of these people dying that i love and uh i just wanted to write her a song about you know what you've done your job you need to Get out there, go on a cruise, buy a minivan, do whatever you want to. Yeah. Don't be in the way. Who you 
Yeah, I, I can relate to that. My dad had MS, and when he died, it was, it was, like you said, it was sad, but it was also like, okay, we can start living a life again because it was, she was young enough where she could put a life back to get, you know, she could do things for once and leave the house for more than. Yeah, that's the thing. Like my dad, he was seven years older than my mom, and he died. You know, he was actually sixty nine. He was, it was a week away from his seventieth birthday. So my mom, you know, like you're still young, man. You move on to the next thing, and I don't know. You get it. <laughs> yeah. mm -hmm. And you say this one came to you quickly? Not super quickly, okay. but you know, because I mean, there's, I mean, the line, the uh, verses are. There's not a lot of verses, which I'm a fan of. If you can do it right and just get in and get out. I didn't need a little help. My buddy, uh, Doug Gillard, he plays with God of my voices, not surf. I was having a little block on the, on the verses melody for the verses. And he helped me with that. But then once he helped me with that, mainly like that, that bridge there, that melody bridge, I wrote the lyrics, but he had the, he had the melody on it. Once I got that, I rolled. I was, I was done. I always run the stuff by the other guys. I bring in the bones and they put the meat on it. Okay. Yeah, they do. You guys do a great job. So next song I want to talk about was used to be somebody. And this one is a bit more reflective. And you know, I think so many people can relate to this idea, you know, or someone who seems to have the world at their hands and it maybe doesn't work out that way. So from, as a writer, you know, is, is, was there anyone in particular that influenced this song or just an experience maybe you had growing up or something? Yeah, me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that is totally about me. And I've never done that before, but I thought, really? ah, this seems like, I don't know how, where it came from. It, it definitely came over time, but uh, I maybe I came up with a line or two and I was like, man, this is a good idea. And then I finally figured out, it was like, dude, just write about you. Cause you always need to write what you know mm -hmm. and I should know me pretty good. So. <laughs> Firstborn heaven sent was a future class president. Strong foot on second rate team. I think they broke the mold. Had true love or an image of it. A fast car and a faster wit. He could have taken any path or road. Sometimes you just. But I like the line you had true love or, or an image of it, a fast car and a faster wit. I mean, so you, you know, you're talking earlier about sometimes you get a line and you kind of write around it. And I was kind of curious if, if this was a line like that where you you just have it like okay that's an awesome line do you build around that and no that one that one actually came so let's see what was the line i built around oh i built around the whole first two lines i i, I, I built around i really liked it uh the uh, future class president is what mm -hmm. i built around. And that sent me back to like you know high school stuff right and then it was like oh my girlfriend in high school that's that whole uh, had true love or an image you know the deal in high school man yeah. you thought 
you thought she's the one. Boy, was I wrong. Yeah. What about the local TV airtime? That one, I kind of bastardized that one a little bit. He could have sat on the county seat. He could have done down anything, but that's the way it goes. Had a million dollar smile, late nights and a lot of miles. He thought he'd never get old. A story I can He used to be Because, you know, I do a lot of local TV here in Knoxville. You know, I'll go and promote a a record or whatever they want me to do, I'll go and do it. But I also kind of thought if I'd have stayed in West Tennessee, that would have probably been my jam. I'd have been like, yeah, I could have been, uh, I don't know, in the courthouse doing something. I probably could have. I know how to, like, (laughs) I guess be popular. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's funny that you say you don't write about yourself that much. So I find that interesting because I, when I think if I write a song, I would probably write about myself too. So I'm wondering like, what is it, if this is a step out for you to, to write about yourself, was it, was it difficult to do that? Now, now when I say that, I mean, yeah, I do write about myself, but I usually write, you know, looking out other than this one looking in, you know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, uh, Since, since I don't feel like I've done this before, it was actually easy because it was like, I didn't feel like I was, all right, I'm doing something I've never done before, so it made the lines come a little bit quicker. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what I what I like is toward the end, the way the the guitar just picks up, and and it's almost like a kind of like '70s classic rock feel of a solo on this one. Exactly. <laughs> At the outro, that has definitely got to be Robbie Trosper, man. Yeah. That's why me and him spent a good team so, for so many years because uh, I think he knew where this needed to go. Yeah, because it, it just really it stands out to me. And then the way the, with the background singers at the end, where did that idea come from? Well, that one had went through. I went through so many things on that because it's a short song, mm-hmm. and I really liked it that way. Just get in, say your message, get out. And then I really wanted to do like in the beginning. I actually live, my next door neighbor uh, plays for the Knoxville Symphony Orchestra. So I had access to like string section. But some of his buddies, they had to charge, which is fine. It wasn't that expensive. And the only problem was I didn't really know what I wanted. Then I had a horn section in my head. It basically came down to, uh, I definitely wanted backup singers on it. Kevin Abernathy's uh, daughters have a band called the Pinklets. 
and they are awesome singers. And I told them I wanted soul singers on the outro and man, they nailed it like two times through. Yeah. And they, yeah. These girls are like, you know, 20 years old, anywhere down to 16 years old, very white girls. And they, they sung what I wanted. They did great. Okay, cool. So we'll move on to concrete and stone and I feel like we're kind of moving a decade up here because where the last one has that 70s feel. This one has that kind of 80s replacements, early soul asylum kind of cowpunk feel to it. Just Ooh, the way sweet. I like yeah. that. I haven't heard that. I like that so far. <laughs> but I just love that hook. I mean, is that do you get that hook when you're when you're writing a song that you just sort of start with the hook, or does does that come to you as you're just kind of playing on the guitar or just the, the intro to that song? Well, okay. thinking back on that one. I think that hook was an afterproduct. Uh, I want to say Kevin kind of came up with the hook. I mean, I think I was playing it just open chords, you know, but the uh, almost the ACDC kind of vibe or whatever. Oh, yeah, yeah. I think Kevin came up with that. I mean, it was in the structure of the song, but those punches, I think that was his deal. Yeah, that was, I, I think really what started this song off, off was the vocals. I mean, the vocals, the lyrics. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, so is that how sometimes it works for you? Is it the words come first and then you search for the melody or does it ever come all at once? Man, it is so different on everything. It really is. Like uh, Concrete and Stone, I think the first thing and I just spouted out of my mouth one day. It was like, Voltec, no college, got a pretty good trade. Voltec, no college, got a pretty good There's no formula. You don't go in like, uh, all right, I'm going to build this bridge and we're going to start with a foundation. <laughs> yeah. Well, so lyrically, you, you said you started with that first line. So that what led you to take it in that direction? That, was there just something you experienced yourself or was it something that, you, that uh, just came to you? Or? Well, I started thinking about it and I started thinking about high school again. Good grief. I can't, I can't believe this record's about high school. <laughs> Actually, no, back in high school, you could either like, you know, get your credit. I mean, like every high school, I guess. Or you could go uh, to Votech and learn how to weld or lay bricks or whatever. I have a cousin named Charlie Crockett. That's what he did. He went and learned how to lay bricks. And so I kind of went through his life on this because, you know, he ended up getting a divorce and kind of just kind of being his own man. Yeah, because the, the phrase concrete and stone, I mean, that can be an allegory for perhaps different things. And I think you kind of use that a couple of times talking about his job, the masonry, but then also like an imagery of the road, too. Is, is that, how did that phrase come to you? Because it's a 
you know, two words or three words with the end, but just succinctly. I don't, I don't really know, but every time I try to write some, I try to make it at least make two to three to four meanings. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So I, know, I like how when you end it, there's a bridge there that at least it feels like a bridge to me. Maybe it's not, but it goes into a different key before you go back into the chorus. But, you know, it's not like that. There's not a verse after that, you know, it's just, you go to the yeah. chorus. So how did, you know, when you're working on a song like that, does that, what, what goes through the band's playing and you're like, Hey, let's, let's do this a little bit differently. It was, and that, well, you just said it. I mean, it's like, I kind of go with the old Johnny paycheck style of writing a song. Let's do our, everything we need to do. Well, main point in the chorus, but everything we need to do to explain what's going on in this chorus in two verses. And then after that, you can move it around, put a little bit of twist somewhere if you want to. Everybody's already got the story in their head. This one here, man, I just, honestly, I didn't feel like there was an end to this story. You know what I mean? I didn't want to like let somebody know that my cousin Charlie Crockett got a divorce while he was, uh, you know, laying bricks. Mm-hmm. So how? I'm just curious. As again, because I think because I was always writing about, you know, when I was a journalist writing about something that happened and had an ending. How do you pull that back? I mean, how do you tell yourself, look, let's let's not go that far? I mean, is there like an internal? editor in your mind saying, no, that's, I want to just leave it here. And I mean, is that, I kind of have the opposite problem. I think I try to get to the ending and I can hear it. Just sometimes it's not appropriate. Well, okay. I mean, there's a couple of songs I'm actually working on right now that need an ending because they're death songs. So there is an ending. I like to kind of keep it open. Like, all right. Like even conquering stone. I mean, there's a story about a dude, but it could, that's maybe could just be chapter two. They could be have a chapter three. <laughs> you know? yeah. yeah yeah cool I, I want to thank you so much for your time tonight Mick we got one more song long way to go and it seems like this is a good place for us to to wrap things up because it feels pretty reflective to me and just about kind of getting through life I mean I don't know how much this was affected or if at all by the by the pandemic just from your perspective I mean what was the song trying to what were you trying to say with this one this one here is actually out of all the other ones this one actually is old when i was working on songs two three years ago just kind of round stuff up i found this one this is an old b-roy song oh wow this would have been if we'd have had a third record this would have been on the third record 
of course, a lot of the means, and there's only a few words that probably are the same, but a lot of it's changed. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I do remember like the first verses were when I, I remember writing them, I was mainly talking about like, I was kind of singing to Steve Earle, like, you know, Hey man, we still got a long way to go. I'm at the, you know, what was the first line? Can't find the words to write you a song, which was mm-hmm. a big problem at one point. So the first verses are definitely a V-Roy's verse from the V-Roy's. Second verses, that's more that's more about my wife and just life. Yeah. And the bridge is totally new, though. The bridge, or I'm calling it the outro bridge. I don't even know if that's a thing. <laughs> that, that was more recent. That was probably about two years ago. Yeah, I, I like it when songwriters use a song like, you know, as a metaphor and you know, use it, you kick it off with that is... And maybe, you know, you're talking about can't find the words to write you a song. Was was that it because of what you're going through at the time with the Vieros or was that using it for another meta- for just some metaphor for something else? No, it, no, that was actually just straight up because I remember the second record, Steve came up to Knoxville and, you know, we had toured so much on the first record that we really didn't have a lot of time to like sit around and come up with, the, hey, man, we're going to the next record's going to be better. Because I'm sure you've heard it from Scott, and I think Elvis Costello said it first. It's like you've got your whole life to write your first record, and you got like six months to write your second. <laughs> we only had like six weeks. So all the songs we brought to him, he's like, no, Hoss, man, that ain't it. Uh, <laughs> so I basically uh, can't find the words to write you a song, Steve. I'm trying. And, but it doesn't matter. I still got a long way to go. This is not, if you say these songs ain't good, I'm still going. Mm-hmm. And then that's where it came from. But uh, basically, like you say, it's, it's a metaphor for life, man. I still, hopefully, I still got a long way to go. something that you started writing 20 years ago and, and then finish it now i mean what was that like to emotionally i'm wondering dude it was awesome it, it was awesome because uh and i found like two yeah at least two more songs which i'm probably gonna finish no it was really good because it's like like i say the first lines is like ah i remember that <laughs> i mean if i wrote it 50 years ago when i was a baby i would remember those lines and why i wrote them so at the time, there's a reason I probably didn't finish it then. Now the story's older. It just really filled in a lot easier because I had more experience <laughs> to fill this particular song with. You can't help yourself. 
yeah, the music was there. The music was the same thing. Now that was fun because, I mean, you can't finding the music and the melody is just as hard, if not more, than finding the lyrics. And so finding that music was like really exciting. Yeah. So how hard is it? To, I mean, this is going to sound like a stupid question because I know it's hard. But I mean, when you hit have that melody, I mean, especially something that was written so long ago. So you did you record it so you kind of had it so you didn't because my thing is I forget stuff like I'll try to come up with something and I'll get stuck in this loop and then I'll just be like I'll pick up tomorrow and then I'll just forget what I wrote and obviously you don't you didn't do that here so how did you kind of preserve that memory oh my god I mean yeah I have to write a list like tomorrow I think list get up take a shower you know (laughs) I gotta remember stuff like that and it's got to be on a list no this like all the stuff I've ever done, uh, uh, you know, whether it be back in the late 80s, early 90s, whatever, it was on cassette back then. So that's how I found it. I dug this cassette out and was like, what is this? Didn't have any lyrics, I mean, written down, but, you know, I just, there's the words. I just, one night, sat, sat down and probably the Highland House here in Knoxville while we we're in the B-Roys. I'm like, hey, man, here's an idea. Recorded it and then forgot about it. Hmm. And so it's like, you know pretty exciting to find something like that yeah yeah because i mean i know for me when i come across a song i haven't listened to in a long time that meant a lot to me sometimes you know that it takes me right back to that spot like when i was 16 you know that that song still just can take me right back did that happen here to you? Uh, that one actually yeah i knew exactly where i was sitting when i wrote it and i've done i've done that on some other stuff too even older stuff like you know dig it and mainly i have hundreds of cassettes with just you know a guitar going uh, and, and me going <laughs> or whatever but every time i hear something that was pretty good and i probably knew it at the time takes me right back it's kind of a fun a pandemic fun deal to do if you got time to bring out all your cassettes and, yeah. and back in time to like you know the early 90s <laughs> and you'll find some songs that you wrote that are pretty good yeah cool well, I want to thank you again, Mick, for your time tonight. And as we wrap up, when when do you see things getting better? I mean, I kind of see like where you can see the light at the end of the tunnel, but the tunnel just keeps getting longer and longer. I know, man. Well, well, everybody watches the news. So, I mean, you can go with them, but here's what I'm going with. Me and Tommy Womack are playing a show in late April, a house concert, outdoor house concert. And unless things just go crazy, I, that's what I'm shooting for is being like, okay, I can at least start getting back out in the world a little bit. That's what I'm shooting for. And so what's the best way for your fans and others to support you and your music right now? Absolutely. MickHarrison.com. And, and we really utilize uh, Bandcamp. Bandcamp is a fan of actual, you know, you know, bands that don't have any support. They, they're really good. I really like Bandcamp. Cool. Well, thank you again so much for your time tonight. This has been a lot of fun. Rob, thank you so much for letting me do this. I mean, let's, I mean, hell, let's do it again. What do you want to talk about? Yeah, so as you can tell, Mick and I had a good time with this one. I want to thank him for talking with me, talking about his music. I encourage you to check out his website at mickharrison.com. Go get a copy of Bright Spot. I hope you enjoyed this one. I had a great time doing it. Get ready. I got a lot more coming, including some really cool events coming up. Hopefully, maybe. Stay tuned. Make sure you subscribe and I will be in touch.